Well, turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 3, and uh, we're going to look at verse 16 to begin with. And I've got uh, some things in my heart that I believe the Lord would, would have us to say today. So how many of you agree with me for utterance? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you today with thankful hearts, and we look to you. We look to the teacher, the one who lives on the inside, to minister to our hearts today, to bring encouragement, to bring knowledge. And Lord, we purpose in our heart not just to be hearers of your word, but doers of it. For when we do your word, we are blessed in our doing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Amen. Verse 16, verse 17, and... Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, one thing we know about the Master is he had the Father's approval. And he had the Father's approval, not partially, but he had it fully. He had it fully. Now, on the inside of every son and every daughter, hardwired into our lives, is the desire to have approval from our Father and from our parents. Now, the approval of a parent is an awesome thing, and it's a wonderful thing. I believe this, that moms and dads must have an understanding of who they are in Christ Jesus. When you know that you are in Christ and that Jesus loves you and that your father loves you as much as he loves Jesus, that will put something on the inside of you and will furnish you with the ability to love others as you have been loved. Amen. You see, acceptance is something that God does for all of his children. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 and in verse 6. And we'll see something that is so true here. Ephesians, the first chapter, the fifth, uh, first chapter, fifth verse, sixth verse. It says, he predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now notice verse 6. says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. You see, without Christ, we were all rejects. Without him, we were in another family. We were from another world, if you will. And we walked around in this life rejected. But when we made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, the Bible says we become accepted in the Beloved. I want to tell you something today. You are not the, you are not the rejected. Amen? You are the accepted, and the enemy is trying to make you feel rejected. So being accepted in the Beloved is a wonderful thing. I mean, it is an awesome thing to know that in Him, in Christ, you are secure in His arms. Now... As a parent, as a dad, you must carry yourself that way. You must, if you will, come up to a higher level of acceptance to the fact that God loves you, that he accepts you. And when you know who you are in Christ and you know your value to him, then you can begin to act that way toward your children. 
You can begin to accept your children and love your children as God loves you. Children are looking for acceptance. If they don't get it in the home, they'll look for it elsewhere. If they don't get it in the home, they'll look for it on the playground. They'll look for it sometimes in drugs. They'll look for it sometimes in sexual relationships. That's why it's so important, whether you be a single parent or whether you be a family unit together as a husband and wife, you must know who you are in Christ Jesus and carry yourself with confidence that as for you and your house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to love the Lord. We're going to walk this walk even as Christ told us to walk. And our kids are going to be world champions in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you know when you please the Lord, you can sense his pleasure? Amen. You ever just sense the pleasure of the Lord in your life? Amen. You know, it makes the sky bluer. Amen. When you're living in the manifest presence of God and in the love of God, and you know that you please God, it is outstanding. Look with me in Jeremiah 29 and 11. Here's the way God thinks toward us. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God's not thinking evil about you. God's not going to get you for something you did. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from what you did. And if you missed it since you've been a Christian, you can apply the blood of the Lamb to your life. Amen? Amen. God's not thinking bad thoughts toward His children. He's thinking good thoughts. He's thinking God thoughts toward us. Amen? Amen? And here's what you need to know as a dad and as a mom and as a person in Christ. You need to know this, that you can please Him. Amen. You can please Him. One of the number one ways that we please our Father is with our faith, with our trust. You know, in Hebrews 11, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Did you know that your acceptance in Christ and your pleasing God is not based on your perfect performance? I said it's not based on your perfect performance. You know why? Because it's not based on works. It's by grace through faith. Amen? Now, I believe that as we grow, we ought to be performing better. But you cannot base your approval upon your performance. Because one day you did good, the next day you didn't do so good. At least that's how it is in my life. That's kind of where I live. But the thing that really blesses me and should bless you today is the fact is this. Is God's not looking at your performance. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at what you have in your heart. Do you want to please Him? Do you want to serve Him? Do you want to live for Him? If you do, glory to God, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward Him. He's looking for perfect hearts. He's not looking for perfect Performance, And I can say, uh, thank God to that one. Amen. Amen. Now, one confession that, that is something that we can make on a regular basis and on a daily basis is something Jesus said. 
I can't tell you exactly where it is. I believe it's in John 8, where he says, I always do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And you know, when you have a congregation make a confession like that, like we will in a moment, people are saying, I do? So say this when they always do. Those things which are pleasing in his sight. Now, understand this, that that is a statement of faith, right? Because all of us have done things that have displeased him. Is that correct? But when you're operating in faith and you say it in faith, it pleases God. And so what we need to do is not look at the past and not look at how we failed yesterday and in yesteryear. We need to look to him, the perfect one. Who can enable us to live for him by the grace of God. Say it again real strong. I always do do those things things that please God. God. Now, as parents, watch what you say to your kids. Watch what you say. Watch the words that you speak to your children. Never say, I am so very disappointed in you. How many of you know that there is a difference between people's behavior and who they are? Let me, let, me, let me work with this. Will you help me out just a little bit today? For example, as a parent, you know, I have two boys. Brendan and I have two boys, and they're men now. But we haven't always been pleased with their behavior. But the way that you approach this is this way. You know, I'm not happy with what you've done. I'm not happy with with this behavior. But I want you to know, you're still my son. You're still my daughter. And you still have favor with me. I love you unconditionally. But this behavior has got to change. This behavior is not acceptable. You are accepted because you're my son, you're my daughter. But this, somebody say, got to go. (laughs) Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God doesn't remove our sonship in spite of all the stupid things we've done? Am I talking to the right crowd? I didn't call you stupid, but we've all done some real dumb stuff. Right? And I thank God that every Sunday I don't have to run to the altar to get born again again. There ain't no such an animal. You either born again or you're not born again. You're either saved or you're not saved. Now, as far as our behavior and as far as our maturity and as far as our character qualities in Christ, there's room for growth. And I don't look at anyone wanting to argue with me about that. So God doesn't remove our sonship in spite of the dumb stuff that we did. The Bible says that there is nothing that will ever separate you and I from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So remember now in Christ, you are accepted. He thinks good thoughts towards you. Now, we're talking about how much love matters. And we're talking about obeying the greatest commandment ever given to the church. Jesus said, a new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. Then he went on to say, he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love 
one to another. You know, this is a commandment of the Lord. This is an order. It is not a suggestion. How many military people do we have here this morning? Okay, when the drill instructor came along and told you you were going to do this and do that, you didn't look him in the face and say, I don't feel like doing that. They have a way of making you feel like doing it. Is that right? And our commander-in-chief has given us an order, not a suggestion. He's told us to walk in the supernatural realm of love. Amen? Amen. And we, by God's grace, we can do it. We can practice love. The Bible says we are not to love in word only. Not this sloppy agape stuff. Oh, I love you, brother. I love you with the love of the Lord. But really, I hate you. No, no, no. Not that, not that messy little stupid stuff. No, we're talking about a supernatural love. An agape love. A love that's unconditional. The love of God, the Bible says, is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Love is not a feeling. Your feelings are going to change. Amen? Every morning when I get up, I've been married to Brenda Raylene Thomas Edwards for 37 years. Some mornings I may get up, and but don't feel like I'm married. You ever felt like that before? Well, you don't run out and get a divorce. You married. You stay married. And I never feel that way. Just an illustration. So we've been talking about how do we keep this commandment. You know, it's one thing to, to spill out a bunch of truth about love one another, love one another. How do we do it? How do we do it? Let's get practical. We don't love in word only, but we love in deed and in truth. We're doers of the love of God on the inside. Now, the first thing we looked at a couple of weeks ago is love prefers his or her brother. Amen? In other words, love shows deference to one another. Love honors brothers and sisters in Christ. When you're walking in love, you're not always looking to be first in line. When you're walking in love, life isn't about me, myself, and I. Life is about others. And life is about being a blessing to others, being a blessing to our family, being a blessing on our job. Say it with me strong, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Now, what we're going to center in on today, just for a little while, I'm not going to keep you here all day, and you ought to be happy about that. But what I want to center in on today, and, and, and kind of like I want to do a little surgery. So if this hurts a little bit, just say ouch and then heal up later. But here's what I want, I want to look at. I want to look at this point today. Love do, does no harm to his or her neighbor. Love doesn't hurt anybody. Now look at Romans chapter 13. Let's pull that up there. And notice with me in verse 10. Romans 13 verse 10 says this. Love... The God kind of love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. How many of you know you can't keep the law by works? But how many know if you walk in love, you're not going to covet your neighbor's wife? If you walk in love, you're not going to lie about me. If you walk in love, you're not going to use the Lord's name in vain. If you're walking in love for the Lord and love for the brothers and love for the sisters in Christ, you're not going to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's just part of on the inside of you. It's part of your DNA spiritually. People come to church because they love God. Not out of ritualism, not of religiosity, but out of a relationship with Him and with our brothers and sisters. 
So love is the fulfilling of the law. If you'll concentrate on walking in love, you will fulfill the law. Amen. But here's what I want you to see, that love works no ill to its neighbor or to its nearby. Love never harms, love never hurts anybody with their words. I want to encourage you this morning to be aware of your words and your actions and their effect on the people around you. Be aware of those things. You know, a lot of times people just kind of throw an excuse out and say, well, that's just my prophetic gift. I just got to tell it like it is. I see it, I tell it just like it is. No, that's not your prophetic gift. That is your pathetic flesh. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. So many people violate the love command and don't even realize it until after it's happened. And sometimes we just blare into situations. How many of you have ever said some things that you just wish you hadn't said? And you went, oh, no, because it hurt somebody. And it made them feel bad and reminded them of their past. And made them put their head down. See, the reason that we run our mouth so oftentimes is because our mind is not in gear. I know there's a Chinese proverb there somewhere. <laughs> he that runneth his mind, runneth his mouth, mind not in gear. Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. Proverbs 15:28. It says here, the heart of the righteous, now notice, it just doesn't blare out everything he thinks, just doesn't blare out everything he sees. No, but the heart of those that are in right standing with God, they study to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Okay? Now let me just read a couple more translations to you. We won't even pull it up, but listen to these translations. The voice says, the right living think before they speak. That ought to be a revelation to millions of people. But wrongdoers simply spew out evil. Another translation says, Good people think before they answer, but the wicked speak evil without ever thinking. Study to answer. If I say this, how's that going to affect them? If I say this about that person, how are they going to hear it? See, oftentimes what starts out as a good conversation ends up being gossip. It ends up being judgmental and critical of other people. We are not to criticize others. We're to build others up. If you can't say it, just keep your mouth shut and say it in prayer. Now look at uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. I told you we're going to do a little surgery. It's all right. Proverbs 10, verse 19. says, Now, in the multitude of words, there lacketh not sin. But he that restrains his lips is wise. Here's another translation. Sin is unavoidable when there is much talk. But whoever seals his lips is wise. Another translation says, The more you talk, the more likely you will cross the line and say the wrong thing. But if you're wise, you'll speak less and without restraint. 
People who are always talking, 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 are always sinning, 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 sinning. I learned this from my spiritual father, Kenneth E. Hagin. He says, you know, I've discovered that the less I say, the less I have to repent of. There's only one way to fix it, ladies and gentlemen, is to think before you speak. There's supposed to be a filter between what we think and what we say. In the book of Ephesians, he said it like this, and I'll quote it for you for the sake of time today. He says, don't let any corrupt communication ever come out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the spiritual progress of others that it may minister grace to the hearer. Stop and think a moment. Is what I'm about to say, is that going to minister grace or is that going to minister condemnation? Is what I'm about to say to my children, is that going to build them up or is that going to bum them out? Your words, my words, are extremely important. The tongue of the wise, the Bible says, brings healing and brings health into relationships, into the people around us. Say it with me. My tongue brings life, brings health to people around me. Now go quickly to Proverbs 17. And notice with me in verse 27. Proverbs 17, verse 27 says this. He that has, he that has, he that has knowledge spareth his words. He that has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. The complete Jewish Bible says this. A knowledgeable person controls his tongue. How many of you know there's wisdom available for us as what to say? There's wisdom available for us how to say it. The wisdom of God is on the inside of us. Well, let's keep doing a little surgery. Look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 in verse 2 in the NIV. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God's in heaven. You're on earth. So let your words be few. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 12 in the NIV again says this, Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. Let our words be gracious. Now, I looked up the word gracious. The word gracious means to be kind. It means to be pleasantly kind. Let our words be gracious. The word gracious also means courteous. You know that Christians sometimes can be some of the rudest people around? Button in line. I come to get mine. So butt out so I can get in line. Christian folks can be rude, man. Just like the world is rude. Rude. At the airports. Treating people behind the counter like they're some sort of trash. You think of what those people put up with all week long? I believe that the people in the restaurants and the people at the airports 
are worthy of our highest tip. Don't go into a restaurant with your sticker on your car. Honk if you love Jesus. (laughs) Give them a track. Have a $50 meal and leave them one buck. You don't serve El Chipo. You serve El Shaddai. He's not the God that's less than the least. He's the God that's more than more than enough. And sometimes Christians, they think they're entitled. They go to a restaurant and because they're there, I mean, everybody ought to just, woo. Understand this, that the grace of God in you will cause your words to be gracious, to be kind. You don't know what people go through. You don't know what they left to go to work. You don't know who they left to go to work. You don't know the kind of hell that people go through. Don't add to the hell in their life. Bring heaven's love. Bring heaven's grace. Bring a word of kindness. Bring a word of encouragement. Let the love of God flow through you to others. Say with me, real strong, I'm gracious. I'm courteous. I'm kind. And I'm merciful. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? You know, without the mercy of God, I'd be in hell right now. Along with a lot of you. Without the mercy of God, we wouldn't make it. And God's been so gracious with us and so compassionate with us. We can be forgiving where other people are concerned. We can make allowances for them. We can love them. We can show mercy. The Bible said, blessed are the merciful because they will obtain mercy. So use your words then to accomplish something. Ask God to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the right words. If you pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit regularly. Because as you pray in the Spirit, the Bible says, you will keep yourself in the love of God. Of God. You know, if you really practice thinking before you speak, it's going to get a lot quieter around your life. Pray for wisdom. You can't hurt people when you're walking in love. Love does no ill to his neighbor. You and I, of all people on the earth, we're supposed to be blessings. The question I have for you this morning is, what are you leaving in your wake? You know what I mean by that? You know, some jets, they have to really watch them closely because they create what they call wake turbulence. And when that jet comes through, the turbulence is so great that It can turn things upside down. And if you're standing close enough, it can turn you upside down. It's a wake turbulence. What are you leaving in your wake? You ever been to a place, uh, maybe a a place of business, and there was just a meeting, and and, uh, you walk in there, and everyone looks real bummed out? I mean, they're, they're, they're shuffling their papers and looking for dimes on the floor, and... 
You know, everybody just seems really bummed out. It's not because it's Monday, it's Friday, you know. And you say, well, what, 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 what's up? What, what, what happened? What's, what, what's going on? So-and-so just came through. You know so-and-so. We all have so-and-sos in our lives. They carry a lot of turbulence. They leave a lot of people in their wake. Don't be that so-and-so. Don't be that person on the job that people want to go the other way. No. You are carriers of the life of God. Carriers of the love of God. You are atmosphere changers wherever you are. Dads, what kind of atmosphere are you carrying in the home? Are you taking the day out on your children when you come home? Are you taking the day out on your wife when you come home? My brothers and sisters, these things ought not so to be. Now I've discovered this, and you have too, that weak people hurt people. Weak, insecure people hurt people. Because they're so miserable and so insecure about their own lives that they're looking to tear someone down to make them feel just a little bit better. But strong people. I'm not looking at weak people today. I thought I'd get a little bit better, amen. I'm not looking at weak people over there. How about here? Here and here. No, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Paul, when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, when he said, look, you're going to face some warfare, you're going to face some situations, and you're going to move into some situations in life where you need to be strong in. Somebody's got to be strong. Somebody's got to be strong in the family. Somebody's got to be strong on the job. Somebody's got to be a peacemaker. Because the enemy is a thief. He is a destroyer. He comes to ruin relationships. He comes to break businesses up and families up. Someone's got to be strong. And you're not strong because you can bully your way through a situation. You're strong because you're meek before the Lord. You're strong because you've humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. You're strong because the fruit of the Spirit is just flowing into your life. And you can walk into a strife-filled situation on the job or on the home, and you can diffuse it. Your attitude ought to be confidently, I got this. You You just stand behind Daddy now. I got this. I'm going to diffuse this. There's not going to be strife in this home. There's not going to be strife in this business. The love of God is going to prevail. It will never fail. Be strong. Amen. Everyone say, I'm strong. I'm strong. In, the Lord. in the Lord. In the power of His might. You're a shield to people. Yes. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever helped someone that was hurting and eased their pain? Yes. You ever done that? Yes. How'd that make you feel? Good. Didn't it make you feel good yes. to help kids go to youth? Doesn't it make you feel good to to serve in the local church? Not just to be a consumer, but to be a contributor? You know, I believe this, that the way out of misery is to be a giver. 
The way out of our problems in the darkness sometimes that we feel in our life is to go be a light to someone else. You know, Jesus said it like this. He said, give and it'll be given unto you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give your bosom? The story is told of a very, very wealthy man. Very wealthy man. And you know what today? If you don't have a nickel in your pocket, if you're in Christ, you're a very wealthy man too. And you don't have to have pockets full of money to be a giver. You can be a lover right where you're at. Hallelujah. What's love got to do, got to do with it? Everything. That's what love's got to do with life. Da, 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 da. Okay. Now listen, this guy was sick. He was on his way out. But he had, he had millions and millions and millions of dollars. How many of you know millions of dollars might be able to buy you the best doctors in the land, but it'll never buy your healing? <laughs> Having all kinds of money will buy you all sorts of weird relationships. But it'll never be days of heaven on earth like God intended marriage to be. Having all sorts of money will bring all sorts of good time Charlie's your way. But when the money gone, Charlie gone. It's true. But this guy got to thinking got to thinking about, you know, the older you get, the more you think about meeting your maker. Did you know that? I'm 63 years old. I believe I've got several years left here on earth, but I think about meeting him more and more every day. I think about being held accountable for what he's given me. Hopefully you think the same way. But he got to thinking, you know, Anybody ever see that show, Bucket List? Yeah. It's kind of a funny show, wasn't it? They went all over the place because they wanted to do all these things before they died. They were sick. And they did them. But this guy's bucket list was already fulfilled. He laid in bed and said, See, what can I do? Where can I go? Well, I've been there 12 times already. New car? No, I've had five of those. Jet? I got two or three of them. What can I do? What should I do? And then the thought came to him. This must have come from the Lord. The thought was, well, you've never given anything to anybody. You've never given anything to anybody. He went, hmm, I think I'll do something about that. Called his staff, got them together. I want you to look out in the community that we live in. I want you to find some needs. And I want you to take money and I want you to meet those needs. So they found several situations that were really dire and really bad. And, and, and they met that need. And it sparked a little happiness in it. He said, you know, that went pretty good. I think I'll do that again. You know, the more you give, the more you want to give. Because, in fact, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. There's a law of sowing and reaping 
that Jesus has made very clear to us that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. My God's not mocked. He'll not be mocked. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will of life reap life everlasting. So it's okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it again. So they found a bunch more people, and this guy was loaded. And so he unloaded on their lives. And he said, man, that, that's good. What he was saying, that's God. Amen. Next thing you know, he's out of bed. And he's sitting at his desk. And he's saying, let's do it again. And they did it again and again and again and again. This guy forgot to die. I said, this guy forgot to die. He just kept on living. If you want to keep on living, get over on the giving side. You want to to live the life that God's got for you, be a giver. Hallelujah. And the life of God will permeate your life. It'll permeate your family. It'll fill up your life with his goodness. He started a bunch of foundations and he just kept giving. Now listen, you're here this morning. And you have been given the stewardship of influence in your life. You have influence with somebody. Whether it be a son, whether it be a daughter, whether it be someone on the job, you are a leader and you are a person of influence. How you conduct yourself with your character and with your integrity and with your words will affect people for good and for God. My prayer for every one of you today is that you will take heed to the word that you have spoken and you will love, not in word only, but you will love in action and that you will go from this place and you'll be more conscious of your words than ever before and the glory of the Lord and the goodness of God and the love of God will manifest himself in you and to you and through you in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Thank God for it.